You're listening to The Long Game Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Scaiano. Last year, I went to a conference. You may remember me talking about the storytelling symposium that I attended last fall, where there was a VIP day before the main event, and I had attended. You know, when and one thing about that is the idea of putting yourself in the room, right? Putting yourself in the room where these conversations are happening, where people are gathering, where energy is being exchanged. So I declared at this event that I was there to be intentionally selfish, to feed off of the energy that all the women were bringing to the event. No kids, no other responsibilities. All I had to do was show up. That's it. And I did. I really did. And that really started me on this healing journey. It started me writing about my experiences and working towards that goal of putting these thoughts together in a way that I can share. And so today's episode is really all about that. You know, this is a gift to yourself. It's about being intentionally selfish. My guest, Nikita Ren Thigpen, is breaking down the importance of being intentionally selfish, you know, the importance to yourself of this concept, unapologetically doing it. Nikita is creating ripples in the personal development industry. As a balance and relationship advisor, she combines the tenets of licensed clinical social work, psychotherapy, a specialty in trauma work, and her work as a relationship expert with metaphysics and coaching. You know, she has such a wealth of knowledge, of education, and lived experience that she brings to her work. And Nikita has created the Thig Pro Balance and Relationship Management Institute, a personal development company supporting power couples and potent humans like us. Uh, She is the host of the Balance Boldly for Ambitious Women podcast and is an international best-selling author of the book, Selfish, Permission to Pause, Live, Love, and Laugh, Your Way to Joy. And I've really been eagerly awaiting this episode to happen so that we can talk about, you know, what may be holding us back. Like this could be any system, right? How to break out of that box, which is your healing and you're stepping into your own and how reclaiming selfish is really about honoring ourselves. Nikita shares with us her gift, G-I-F-T, which is an acronym on how to move through. It is literally the how that she's sharing with us. And we talk about the multi-generational imprints that we carry, you know, the ones that we perpetuate and the ones that we work to break. And what she reveals about this concept is really mind-blowing. And for me personally, I love that we really dove into the how of what words connote. You know, it is such a big piece of our journey, searching for the right words to attach to our experiences, you know, is a big piece of sharing our story. So we talk about all of that in detail. And this conversation is really going to make you think and help you move forward. The long game is becoming intentionally selfish with Nikita Ren Thigpen. In a world where everyone is doing, it's easy to get lost in a sea of comparison, secret tricks, and promises of overnight success. The long game? That's my approach to business. You gotta show up, you gotta do the work, and there are no quick fixes for long-term success. 
it takes creativity, it takes strategy, and it takes listening to the voice inside you. I'm a web designer, digital strategist, and energetic thinker, bringing you real-world business-building experiences, conversations with creators who are out there doing it now, and ideas to spark the energy in your own business. And along the way, we're going to have a little bit of fun as well. So thanks for being here, and let's get to today's episode. All right, welcome to another episode of the Long Game Podcast. When an introduction to today's guest, Nikita Ren Thigpen, came through to me via email, I instantly paid attention because she called out the term intentionally selfish. Nikita believes, quote, strong relationships are led by those bold enough to be intentionally selfish. And I am 100% here for it. Nikita Renthigpin is creating ripples in the personal development industry. As a balance and relationship advisor, she combines the tenets of licensed clinical social work, psychotherapy, she's got a specialty in trauma work, and is a relationship expert. She combines all of these with metaphysics and coaching and has created the Thig Pro Balance and Relationship Management Institute which is a personal development company supporting power couples and potent humans like those of us listening. And Nikita is the host of the Balance Boldly for Ambitious Women podcast and is an international best-selling author of the book Selfish, Permission to Pause, Live, Love, and Laugh Your Way to Joy. Well, welcome, Nikita. I am so excited to have you here today. Oh, Sandra, this is exciting for so many reasons. If this is anything like our green room <laughs> conversation, your listeners are in. Yeah, we really connected. We, um, I always do a pre-call and we could not stop. We could not stop with a pre-call. So, <laughs> all right, well, let's just hop right in because, you know, the term intentionally selfish for me, you know, I have personally embraced this term. It's no apologies for me raising myself up when for giving myself what I need to heal. So let's talk about how that works in your work and um, how you've come about to embrace that term as well. Yeah, it's honestly a supporting driving force. And what I mean by that is it's literally always in the right side, the passenger side of everything that we do, no matter who we're serving, whether that is a brave man who's coming to us and saying, listen, my forever lover isn't ready to do the work yet, but here I am, or a potent human, which are our women entrepreneurs or the actual couples, and sometimes the leaders in corporate because intimacy does show up in corporations. Really? And we help them embrace that paradigm shifting new way of being by letting them see that being intentionally selfish is a gift for the healing process for everyone that you're trying to retain. Whether you're trying to retain your new life that you just designed by working with someone like Sandra and you're like, listen, I am ready to get it together. <laughs> or you're on a new journey because you've had great success, but there's something missing. There's this little gap. So for me, it showed up first when I was mm -hmm. 15. That was the first time that I literally embraced the idea of being selfish without letting go the shame mm -hmm. part of it, which is a huge, a huge separator that I have to outline for everyone. Because I know when you hear the word selfish, you probably have the same reaction in your body, not you, Sandra, because you're in I your am season, in my of, season selfish. of selfish. But no, we all we all conjure up mm -hmm. these emotions and feelings. I mean, I've been saying it to people like be intentionally selfish now. And, you know, they hesitate. 
Absolutely. Because it does like we're all in the conventional wisdom, I'll say the patriarchal wisdom of where the word comes from, which you and I had talked about off recording. There's context to it. So when I was 15, I didn't know any of this. I am well past 15. (laughs) I know I have great skin and most people will doubt that I am a grandparent with adult children, but that is real life. (laughs) Lots of water, lots of sleep, (laughs) y'all. But But honestly, when I was 15, I had the shame. I had embraced that I needed to do the thing. And I thought the thing of being selfish, which honestly saved my life, and I talk about it in the book, was releasing my obligation to my mother, who was drug addicted, severely ill with Mm -hmm. mental health, physical issues, all kinds of challenges, and was literally trying to sell me for hits. And I had to take ownership Mm -hmm. of myself. So I chose to leave that situation, which was very selfish because I had a younger brother. I'm the oldest of five. The other children lived with my stepmom and my dad, my biological dad. But my youngest brother was still there. And he was about three, three and a half years old. And I was his primary caregiver at 15 years old. I remember walking down the street at four in the morning with him in a little tiny $15 umbrella stroller because my mother refused to let us in because she was having a party air quotes and like literally in parentheses and all of those years and walking to school from South Philadelphia to Chestnut Hill because she stole my tokens, which for those of you who are not East Coast bound is how we used to pay to get on, you know, public transportation. Now that's different. I knew I was going to die one way or another. I was either going to end a potentially great life by going down the wrong path. And that would be the death of my greatness in that way, or I was going to physically die because I'm a fighter and I was going to go down fighting, right? So my last breath. So I chose to save myself. I wanted to take him too, but where I was returning to, to my grandparents' house, they said, I'm not taking care of a toddler. Like, I'm not doing it. You can't do it. You're 15. You still got to go to school. I was later able to take custody of him when he was 13. So 10 years later, and I'm still young and I'm now married with kids and and all the things. But at that time, it was so Uh shameful for me. I had the hardest time swallowing, releasing an obligation that should have never been mine in the first place, but it was mine. And I had to own my feelings for that. Moving forward into being an adult and understanding that the shame was literally hindering Mm -hmm. me from growing as an individual human, the person inside the professional, as we always say, right? And also as a woman, like, you know, I'm a a woman who's now, you know, married at this young age and I have these two beautiful children and I'm trying to do great things. I'm in grad school at the time. Well, by the time we took custody, I literally just graduated that May and took custody that September. But I'm like in the realm of a new career, like I'm doing all these things. And there was still this huge shame that was literally like an anchor around my neck, holding me to the bottom of the ocean of all of the guilt that was surrounding me. What helped me release it would not come for many, 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 many years because again, conventional wisdom, these expired expectations that we all hold ourselves to, it's so troubling, but it's especially extra hard for women because we don't just do it with our siblings, Mm -hmm. in in my case, or with our parents. We do it with our dreams. We do it with hey, I had this one business and I thought it was going to be the thing and then I pivoted and oh my goodness, the shame. People won't take me seriously, right? Like we do that with so many different things and don't let you by God actually be productive in your work 
and then someone wants to invite you to their fourth divorce party and you dare say no, because now there's another version of being selfish. How dare I not be the friend that can be at all the things while trying to build this business, this life, this relationship that I love, and we do it to each other. So what honestly came for me, Sandra, is when it was somewhere around 2011. I'm a prayer warrior, as you know, and I pray I need some direction. Like, listen, there's a lot of brilliance in this brain, but it can get confused and entangled with all the possibilities, the infinite ways that we can go in the directions. And I knew I had a story to tell. My husband and I had just started Fig Pro, our current company. We had a brick and mortar at the time because we also thought that in order to be taken seriously in business, right. you must have a brick and mortar. The puzzle that you right. acted out <laughs> that you didn't really need, right? Right. That that we, I a hundred thousand percent did not need, and it actually it spiraled me down this form of a breakdown in a way, financially, emotionally, spiritually. That is actually such a blessing today because I'm beyond right, it, right? right. Like We're I can see it as a blessing, back, but in the we moment, can count the blessings, right? But in the moment, I was like, "What? Give me a railing! <laughs> I need to hold on to something." Like I it was, it was a fast, slippery slope down. And in the middle of all that, I knew that I wanted to share a story, but I also felt shame around, like, "What are you going to say? Or who what wants you, to hear my story? Say? Because it's who right. are you?" Right. That part. Mm -hmm. Listen, you know, we are. Why does my story matter, right? <laughs> I know the listeners are like, you no. girls. Totally. <laughs> like, right? But it very much brought up all the things, all the things that I honestly didn't know I was struggling with. Because just in the clinical world, just being in a system, you can hide all of those insecurities, right? Just do your skill mm -hmm. really, really well and be a somewhat halfway right. decent colleague. You're good. But start a business, become your own, and now someone doesn't like a service, a product, a way, a thing that you do. It's all well, personal. Well, it requires, it's two different paths, right? Like one actually yes. wants you to stay in line, one path, and the mm -hmm, other path mm -hmm. requires you to think outside of the line. <laughs> and that's really where it comes in. But you, you know, I want to also bring up that these are all decisions. And I know this really comes into the work that you do. You know, these are all decisions yeah. that we're making for ourselves, whether we're choosing to believe and stay in shame or take it to a place where we say, I've had enough of this. You know, I feel like that is one of the pieces for my own journey when, you know, why I really connected to your work as well is that when you are on a healing journey, enough is enough. You hit a point and you're ready to heal. You're ready to move past. You're ready to dig in and you make a decision to do that. It doesn't just happen. I absolutely love the way you frame that. I'm visual, as you know, from our previous conversations. And so for those of you who might be watching some portions of this, you will see me looking all around because I'm going through the file <laughs> cabinet of my mind to pull the visual. And what you just gave was perfect. There's the difference between being in the box so that you can be a part of the system, be a part of the flow, not break any of the things that are required to make sure all the wheels are turning. And then there's the breaking of the box, which is super important. And that's visually like what I saw you saying. And it's hard to break the box because if you're, I'm rebellious by nature. 
just in my core, you tell me, you know, we have to go down this block and I'll follow you down the block the first time, but I'm literally doing it so I can see what are the shortcuts that I can do the second time, right? So I look like a rule follower in the beginning, but I'm literally being yeah, strategic. Yeah, definitely. You're taking to it all see in. Where I can and bend I mean, and that's break. the way to do it is to understand mm-hmm. the system that you're in to be able to break yes. out of the system that you're in. Literally the game, right? Like pun intended Mm -hmm. here, the long game is knowing how to play it, but also finding out what are your unique shortcuts and ways so you can actually win the game that you're trying to play, which I love the title of your podcast for that reason. And you know, one of the things you talk about too is this personal intimate gift. Like doing this is a Mm -hmm. gift to yourself and gift is an acronym, G-I-F-T. So let's let's go through this and start to break down how you're honoring your version of selfish by taking Mm -hmm. these steps. All right, let's start with G. Yeah, absolutely. So G is gratitude, but not what you think. Love this. So most people think it's not Yeah, we're all (laughs) taught. It's Mm -hmm. not the normal. It's, you know, we all hear it, you know, be in gratitude, be mindful, do your meditations. Yes, yes, and yes, all of that matters. I'm not knocking down any of that advice. However, we hide behind gratitude. So this Mm. is what the G is. Be grateful and do not hide behind the gratitude as a way to limit yourself from what you could potentially become. So for me, being intentionally selfish when I had prayed and asked for clarity, it was, all right, smarty pants, do your work. Look at the ideology of the word. The word selfish got into our lexicon because a Pentecostal bishop literally turned away a group of women parishioners who said, hey, bishop. We need permission to tell our husbands no when we don't want to have sex. We want permission. And he returned by saying, you are being selfish if you dare deny your husbands, who are your owners, by the way, Mm in the 1600s, if you deny at any time unless you have your menses or you are having a baby. Those are the only two reasons. That word got in our dictionary and now leads us. So once that logistical kind of smarty pants thing got denied for me, I said, oh, (laughs) so I've been limiting myself by this language and this information, well, how dare I? Like, I can be grateful to have a man who wants to love me and nourish me and physically touch me, but I also don't have to hide behind that and say, oh, well, I have a man, so I better be available 24-7. Like, listen, right? So the G for the not hiding is really about you looking at where in your life you said, oh, how dare I ask Mm -hmm. for more? Why am I supposed to be the one to get it? You know, I have a good business. I'm making X number of thousand dollars a month, which is more than most people who don't have a business. So I should just be grateful. Well, what if you're supposed to create an empire? What if you're supposed to have a super big collaborative business or something that takes it to the next level and you become a billionaire? Why are you limiting yourself to six figures or multi six figures or multi seven figures? If you actually want, right. it's what you want, more, right? It's the decision, right? which of is it clarifying. All. And you know, it's as you decision. talk about this too, it really brings me to the whole onus of owning selfish or reclaiming selfish. Yes. Like it is not what that patriarchal, you know, or what we've thought it to be, right? It is something else. It is ultimate care for yourself on your own journey and giving yourself what you need. So everything in this gratitude G part of the gift to me just sums up reclaiming selfish. Like I am intentionally selfish about things now and I'm spreading that. 
and not and being not apologetic, apologetic right. about it. Right. That part. And I will say that, you know, the eye for gift is in sync with it. Right. Because now. All right. I get that I've been hiding mm-hmm. a little bit. I own that. I'm grateful. And because I live right here in the A&D in parentheses, like live in that space. And it's OK to want more or to want different mm-hmm. because your more may not be bigger. It just 100%. may be different. I love that. Than what other people say. And leaning into that. Well, the I is you imagining what does that look like, whether it's more different reversed, like, you know, going back to something you really love, but someone talked you out of it, whatever that is, just imagine what life looks like for you first. And then Mm -hmm. you incorporate, which is really important in the mapping. I do like joy map VIPs with people. And it's really important that they look at, all right, it's all about you. Cause well, if you're a parent, you default to, okay, well, my kids, And if you're in a marriage, you default to your partner. If you have caregiving responsibilities of elders, like we tend to default to the people that we serve and that we're responsible for. But pull yourself just to you. What does Nikita Mm -hmm. want? Oh, wow. Well, if she imagines herself this, okay, now what's the overflow Mm -hmm. for the other people? How does your forever lover, as I call your partner, how do they benefit from this new version of your life as you see Let's just say you've imagined yourself to be a podcast superhero. Right. I don't know. Like I'm to work with the people. <laughs> like I'm, you know, I'm a podcast network owner. Like you're you have a Netflix better than, let me say that, better than Netflix version of a podcast network. If that's what you imagine, okay, first, what do you get from it? What are you actually benefiting? Yes, there's the obvious, there's more money, maybe you have a bigger team, you have more support. Okay, yada yada. Get granular, like go deeper. What do you really get at a Mm -hmm. cellular level, which will bring us to some of the other things that I know you and I will talk about later. And then the F is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You cannot be intentionally selfish if you are not willing to forgive yourself. If I could yell it a thousand times, I would. We will forgive other people because we're taught to. In conventional wisdom, oh, let go of the anger. If you don't forgive them, they own you. Right, right? it's like holding you colloqu- back. Colloquial, right, all of that, all all of it. The colloquial—that was the word I was looking for. All mm-hmm. the colloquial things. Well, what about that being incomplete? I forgave my twenty-something-year-old boyfriend, which isn't true, by the way. I married <laughs> mine, but let's just say that I had an ex in my twenties, and he did me dirty. And then I said, you know what? I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna forgive. But there's a part of me who didn't complete the work because now whenever I see him on Facebook, whenever I see his woman, whenever I see his kids, whenever someone brings up his name, there's a reaction in my body because your body Uh keeps score. Your body tells the truth even when you won't verbally do it for yourself or even consciously. Now I see him, something comes up because I didn't complete it. I didn't forgive myself for whatever was happening. And I'm talking about adult age behaviors and actions and thoughts, not things when you were a child and you had agency, no right. control over it, right? No agency, exactly. But as an adult, if you were in a relationship platonically, romantically, business, business totally. it's totally that, right? Come on. Exactly. And something happened. We often, at first it's the, oh my goodness, I can't believe that they did this to me, right? Then it's the I can't believe that mm-hmm. I allowed. I, I, I have done that to myself. That. I'm in the same place I was last year because I did this again. Why did I do that? Right. Same. same. First yep. partaker over here. I've been through it. And it brings up for many of us, we'll, we'll hide because women are amazing at compartmentalizing, right? So we'll be like, nope, I, I moved on. I learned that lesson. I'm taking it with me. Are you? 
Because there's a part of you that's still blaming yourself that someone would dare choose you to get over on, right? That someone would think that you were fill in the blank. You can put in whatever negative automatic language you want, like that they thought I was weak, that they thought I was naive, right, that they right, thought right. I was gullible, so on and so forth, right? And that literally anchors you more to shame, which is that chain around your neck at the bottom mm-hmm. of the ocean that I was talking about as now an adult instead of the 15, 16, 17-year-old version of yourself. So you have to be really mindful to complete the forgiveness That's work so by important. forgiving yourself. And there's so many so tools important. to do that, uh, you know, as well. Yes. And I know that you work with women and couples to do those the, those pieces and take them through that process. But it's something that we really have to realize that we can't just cut ourselves off at our feet because you, you can't move forward that way. Absolutely. And to your point of feet, the T <laughs> is take action, get moving, right? Like, well, now we have to get moving towards what? What mm-hmm. you imagined. It's coming back. It's everything like loops back. Well, I imagined that I would be this Netflix, better than Netflix version podcast, you know, contributor, creator, curator. Well, what does that first next yeah. step look like? Well, if you don't have a podcast, maybe right. that's where you, you start. map it out or right, map it out. Or maybe you want to start having beautiful relationships with people like Sandra Sky, where you could say, you know what? You have a phenomenal, successful podcast where your listeners are engaged and leaning in. Tell me more. What does this look like for you? And not, please do not pick anyone's <laughs> brain. It is. No, we know about talk that. about visceral reactions. <laughs> right? But, you know, have mm-hmm. informational interviews with people and give something to them to help you lean towards that next step. So that's what the T can look like if you haven't done anything like you've imagined before and you want to do something different. And you know, it is partly noticing and being observant as well. It's like what you said, I'll go around the block the first time and observe the system so I can break it as well. That's part of what take action is as well is what can you see? What, what are you watching others do? And are there people that you're following who are doing what you want to be doing and what are their steps or what steps they have taken? So there's some modeling in a way there that you can also do. Big time. I love that. And I I fully agree on so many levels. Just remember not to Mm -hmm. compete, right? Like you're not competing. You're conveying your greatness in whichever way it's coming, even if it looks imperfect and messier than you would prefer. But collaboration is honestly the best thing. Like this great conversation wouldn't be happening without collaboration. There's no competing on any level. It's just let's have two people who are phenomenal at what they do come together and give greater phenomenal advice and support and guidance, inspiration, whatever, to whoever is willing to lean in. And 100%. And I love that you've broken it down into the GIFT acronym because you're able to take that concept and take it into steps, right? Again, everything yeah. is a process. We don't just wake up enlightened. We don't just wake up and forgive or heal. You know, you have to take it in that process. You know, another piece I want to touch on in your work that this is really impactful to me is the concept of the new multi-generational imprint. You know, like this ripple that what you're doing in this lifetime, the healing, the bettering of yourself, the moving forward and moving on, 
because we're not stuck in shame and all of these pieces moving on from those emotions is really having an impact for generations to come. Yes. Yes. It's literally the foundation of our work. So our business over the last 12, May will be 12 years old, depending on when we're hearing this in 2023. And when we started this in 2011, our mission was exactly the same, even though the way we showed up in the world, it has been pivoted Mm -hmm. and revamped and, you know, recalibrated. It's always been to build stronger families, period. Like we could full stop right there. Underneath of it, the purpose of building stronger families for is for exactly what you said, is to create those new multi-generational imprints. Because we have all of us, if you are human and you are walking on this earth and you have breath in your body, you have a minimum of 14 generations of trauma in wow. your DNA before you came out your mama's wow. hoo Okay. Like that's epigenetics. It's studied. It's evidence-based. 14 generations of imprinting already before you took your first breath. And then you had whatever life gave you, right? right whatever, what, that whatever that experience that like for was you. that your lived experience on that, that you're Abs- trying to break. And, and that's to- the thing is that we, in yes. our minds, I'm sorry for interrupting you, but we just go, no, no, two generations back because we can remember our grandparents. We can remember mm-hmm. our parents. Like those are, you know, so it's so interesting to know that the imprint lasts for so much longer or the imprint that we're, moving away from to a certain extent, yes, you know, healing from can be so much longer. And I also just want to say too, it probably works in reverse. There's probably some good generational imprints that are uh, 14 generations back as well. Absolutely. Not just the, you know, cute red hair and, you know, whatever you think is dimples in my sexy family. and your hips, right. your eyes, the dimples. The dimples. In my family, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's those good things. It's also all of a sudden we have a math genius and we're like, where did this come from? Because not, right? you know, your parents and grandparents don't do math. Well, your great, great, great might have as well. So there are absolutely, to your point, like really good genes. It's just unfortunately that the trauma and the drama Mm -hmm. holds on tighter and that's what shows up faster. And that's just law of negativity bias for all of us. Well, it goes back to what you're saying about how it stays in the body, right? That trauma pain Mm -hmm. stays in the body. So I could see how that is passed down longer in those generations because if someone doesn't know to get rid of it or, or know how to get rid of it, this conversation is really focused a lot on healing. That's a journey I'm personally on right now. And I see that, you know, I see that pain body in there and, you know, don't want to project like, Hey, we're all, we're all messed up here. We all have a lot of hurt going on, but, but I do think everyone has their own version of that, right? Like, I mean, I talk to a lot of women and, you know, everybody's got their own piece. And even if it's, Something that's happening now, you can think back to, oh, this happened then, this happened that, you know, there are, you can really trace it back to why you're in this current situation with the pain that you're experiencing right now. And that can be a number of different ways. It can manifest in our relationships, in our physical body, we have pains or extra weight or all of these different pieces that we're doing to ourselves. I can't agree more. Um, at the trauma specialist part of me wants to like stand up and shake my maracas because you are a hundred percent spot on. Like it comes up in so many different ways, and you can imprint 
new imprints, right? Like you don't have to just say, well, there's all this pain from family and family members I've never mm-hmm. even met before, especially if you're adopted or your family's estranged, right. you know, just all those different things. You get to create new ones, but you have to create from your wholeness, which is why it's so important to do the emotional healing. Follow the thread to the root. Like, where is it rooted? Is it rooted in an attachment mm-hmm. issue? Was it, I have really good parents who did the best that they could and they still didn't give me what I needed. They treated me just like my siblings and I'm different and they didn't see that. So that difference actually was received in my child brain as some version of dislike or abandonment or neglect, even if I didn't use that language, but that's how it showed up in my energy. Right. And then you can look at where it comes up in your work and your business and what you do and what you refuse. And I think it's so interesting because we have talked about this too of finding the right words for things. And when you are, you know, even when you just said it could be abandonment or neglect, like you might have been fully clothed and fed and all of these things because our perception of neglect is not, is like, you know, you didn't live outside in the backyard. That would have been neglect. But there are these other, ways to experience these words. And I, I think through my own personal experience, as well as that, it's hard to find the words to describe the situations and, uh, you know, without it being misinterpreted or, and that's another maybe shame piece of like fear of it being misinterpreted, right? Because I'm using such a strong word, but I was, you know, I could term it as neglect, but I had new shoes. I, you know, my hair was brushed going mm-hmm. to school. Like there, what do you mean you were neglected? Right. People have yes. this. And so I think that piece is so interesting in this whole conversation and all of the work that we do on ourselves is embracing the words. Like it took me a while to embrace selfish, right. But you right. Know, same idea, right. the connotations that go with these words. Absolutely. Honestly, I have to say, I can't think of more than a handful out of 20,000 plus people that I've served. I can only think of a handful that didn't have that exact issue. They were all dealing with different versions of, is this a justifiable, unhealed area? And I was careful not to say trauma because not everything is deemed as trauma, right? But there were things, I'm thinking of a couple in particular, the husband really struggled with looking at how the different way that his parents and from a different culture, how his parents showed up for him kind of treating all 11 kids exactly the same because, you know, Mm -hmm. resources, energy, mental energy, like all of it. And he had what we now know is ADHD. And that was very different. It wasn't wasn't even acknowledged or diagnosed. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a thing, especially right. in their culture. They're from another country. And so you add in that and the fact that they treated him that they thought he just wasn't sitting still. He just wasn't paying attention. So they were more heavy handed in their discipline. I wouldn't say it qualifies as physical abuse at all, but they were more heavy handed and it made him not want to be his best self because he didn't feel like his best self was enough. He struggled so much in the beginning of our process with just even naming that as a thing that impacted him because for him, it looked like, well, then it means that I'm saying my parents are bad and how dare I? Right. When I know that they literally took their shirt off and did the best they could to keep us clothed and did the best he could. And a lot of the work that I do for people when we're following a thread to see what's going on is 
don't look at what other people say is bad or has to be considered worthy of worse to, to qualify. What wasn't in alignment with you showing up to be the best version of yourself at five, seven, 15, 25, 55, and so on? Like, what did that look like for you? And we do not have to call our guardians, whoever they were, anything. You don't have to give them any level as insufficient, not enough. They were bad parents because that is a whole separate layer (laughs) of work to, you know, help put those pieces back together. But it really is important for people to not disqualify their pain because someone else says, oh, that's nothing. Mm -hmm. Please, that's nothing compared to. Well, it was something to me. And it mattered to me. And it's okay that I had pain because of that thing or those stackable things or that complex trauma that happened over and over and over again, even though it wasn't a big thing like being raped in an alleyway, right? It doesn't have to be that to be painful. And it sets you on a trajectory because you react, respond, how, you know, both of those terms to that instance, that pain that you're having. So it sets you on a trajectory at whatever age you're experiencing it. So, you know, I could just talk to you all day about all of this unraveling of things. We have that effect. (laughs) Well, I want to, I want to move to also like how you work with people because you, I mean, 20,000 people is astounding in your programs in your one-to-one work over the years as well, because you have been doing this for some time. Let's talk about the Intentionally Selfish Suite, which is your personal development incubator, which I want to also hear about, like, this becomes a certification program, like when women entrepreneurs go through it, you know, it it gives them a space to heal and become intentionally selfish, right? Like, tell us what what goes on in there. Yeah. So we broke the intentionally selfish suite into two layers, if you will. I try not to use the word tiers or levels because it diminishes the work that you're doing. I think when we speak that way, but we broke it into two separate spaces. So the first tier, if you will, the the Lita lounge is what we call it, which means living in the space of and that's where we get to do all of our interpersonal and intrapersonal work to really see what is a wound. Let me identify the wound. Let me make sure that nothing's bleeding out because most of the women entrepreneurs we attract are healers, regardless of title. They might, some use coach, some use consultant, mm-hmm. some use architect or designer, right. like whatever, but they're using their platform as a way to heal other people. Most humans walking this earth have been through something. So we all have scars and many of us have wounds, but not all of us are bleeding mm-hmm. from those wounds. So my goal is to make sure that anyone coming in the lounge is careful to address anything that's bleeding so we don't bleed on the people that we're helping, which is very important. And I mean that spiritually as well as emotionally. That is so important. That is such an important piece that I think is overlooked, right? Everybody gets dumped into this Mm -hmm. pool and Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. sort of have a qualifying round where you work to help people before. A thousand percent. And so, and we call it the lounge for a reason. Like it's more comfortable. It's the place. Listen, you want to show up in your bonnet and your curlers, Mm -hmm. no judgment. We don't record what we call the messy work, which is when it comes to our balance and relationship sessions. Yes. Like we already know you're dope. We don't need you to come. And I don't need to chop this up and I don't need to chop up your pain into little snippets to put on Instagram. Yeah. 
Is that oh, woo, honey? I, <laughs> I'm letting it loose today. Um, <laughs> which I personally love because oh my goodness, that is a whole different series of conversations. Really respectful. Uh, so yes, it's no very reporting. respectful. Mm-hmm. It's important for me at, to just hold the confidentiality and discreetness for honestly, so you'll really actually yep. get messy and do the work that's necessary for us to get to that break open space. And then we do have some formal recorded places where I'm saying like, you know, this is where this come from in human behavior. And these are the tools you want to use with other people should you decide to use this certification to serve. So the incubator is 80% you, 80% all of your work, interpersonal, interpersonal, all the relational stuff with your lover or the lover you're trying to attract if you're not in a forever lovership yet. And that's perfectly okay. 80% you, 20% is that formal recorded space, which we are then like doing homework and accountability and reflection so you can get certified as a selfish coach or a success architect if you happen to be in the second tier, which is called the Unbound Brilliance Lab. And inside the lab, those people are the entrepreneurs that have usually at least three employees, whether they're contractors or not, but they're dealing with leadership personal development. They have to work mm-hmm. with other humans and manage their ego, navigate the growth pains. Like we're really digging into the intimacy work that's related in a 360 way, not just with yourself and your lover, but how is intimacy coming up for the leaders you're trying to retain, for the clients you're trying to create these relationships with expansive boundaries? Like we really move through that in a different way and do a lot of co-working in the yeah, second That's year. amazing. And I want to ask you, like in that, are you, how are you building community in that? Besides like obviously showing up and in the messy time, mm-hmm. you know, that's community building yes. instantly because you're knowing each other's stories and all of those type of things. But yes. how are you building community ongoing? Because this, how long does this run, by the way? It's okay, eight yeah, months it's for the incubator. Right. And and then there's alumni. So you can come back and get what we call continuing credits. So you can mm-hmm. stay sharp in your intentionally selfish skills or your success architect, depending on where you are. But the internal community, honestly, is fostered with the way that we run the pods. We have, in addition to that messy space, the bar sessions, which is balance and relationship for obvious reason, work that we're doing. When they go into their intentional growth pods, which is more Mm, intimate, which might be four to six or eight people, they're able to really support each other because we have a philosophy. I didn't make it up. We just lovingly borrowed it, like knowing the game which is giver's gain. And we want you to show up to gain whatever it is that you want, but we also want you to feel empowered to give. We know we're attracting some incredibly brilliant humans that have their own expertise and rights. Now, no, we don't want anyone to like take over and start coaching someone because they're not necessarily licensed to do that within our program. But if you are hearing one of your sisters say something that you can relate to professionally and or personally, We want you to share without dismissing that they have their own individual experience. So we help facilitate that where you get to say, you know what, Nikita, you know, let's just assume that I'm the the person attending. You know what, Nikita, I really relate to that experience. And this is what worked for me. I hope that that supported Mm -hmm. you or served you in some way. So we typically end a lot of our conversation that way. Did that support you? Did that serve you? And if it didn't, you get to safely say, it was helpful to know your experience and I appreciate that I'm not the only one going, but right. that doesn't totally. work for me. 
I'm not able to apply that particular solution to where I am. And hopefully someone else will either support you or your actual certified selfish coach who's facilitating the group will take you in a one-on-one and offer that. I love the idea of these small pods. I mean, that's, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about lately is, you know, in courses and programs, how people are like, I've got 700, I've got a thousand at this time. Like, you know, it is easy. I have been in large cohorts myself where I'm like, I never Mm -hmm. got a question answered. Even in going to the coaching call, you know, they had another another thought process to happen there rather than get these questions answered. So, you know, I think going in these intimate groups allows people that personal connection. And it's so much more where we're leaning towards in terms of program development, just so people can connect. I know we always say they come for the the knowledge, but they stay for the community, right? It's really important to build that community. And you offer that spaciousness, right? I know that's part of the gift acronym is, uh, you know, in that gift piece, there is spaciousness for clarity. And that can happen in those small small groups as well. So, you know, people can grow, they can heal, and they can thrive, they can move on, right? Absolutely. I will say, I feel like the pendulum is swinging because for a lot of us who've been entrepreneurs for more than a half second, We know that people went from the premium one-to-ones to to group, 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 everything. Do the group so you can scale, right? Like we've all learned it. And there's truth to that when you can, you know, leverage your time in a different way. But you lose that intimacy. You lose the honesty in how people show up because they're afraid. I just had this moment with these 40 people, 50 people, however many people, maybe 500 people in there. And I was crying and I'm sharing and it's personal. And now that lives in their vault. For the new people that come three years later to have access, and I didn't consent to that. And I only consented to the people who were in the room with me. And when I say consent, I mean yes, emotionally yes, consent. Yes. yes, you probably signed something in your contract, but emotionally consented to that. And I think the pendulum is swinging now in our marketplace for things to be, it doesn't have to be one-on-one necessarily, but those smaller, less than 12 or 16 people, it's really important. So you can be heard Mm -hmm. and you can be seen. And you can build like that. I mean, it it isn't just, I have this program and that's my all. You know, you can have a fruitful, small group business that brings in $250,000 a year as a one silo in your other plans. So, you know, I think some of the confusion was people started saying, this has to be my all, right? This is my all. Now, when you start to look at it as silos of your business and streams of revenue in it. So, well, I mean, I love how it, it just encapsulates everything. Your work is both your personal life not just yours. I mean, people's Mm -hmm. personal life and their business life and, you know, what you bring and this conversation you bring and how we should all reclaim that intentionally selfish moniker so that we can heal and we can grow and thrive and be the best we can be. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom today and just who you are as well. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for hosting this platform. It's necessary. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me today. You can access more information, links mentioned in this episode and the show notes at thelonggamepodcast.net. If today's show connected with you in some way, 
please share it with your friends or hop on and leave a review. Both of these make a really big difference. All right, until next time, keep playing the long game.